Today will be another historic day in your strategic partner podcast as I have someone from the motherland. As some of you may or may not know, I was born and raised in Morocco, Northwest Africa, where this sister from another mister is from Nigeria. And just like I, she has been in the United States for a period of time. She has the entrepreneurial spirit. She is a spiritual leader and a co-pastor with her amazing husband, a nurse by trade, but she brings it all together. When you hear her mission and how she is an ambassador of helping people overcoming suicidal thoughts and she's making a movie as well this is your strategic partner podcast welcome to your strategic partner podcast where we give entrepreneurs the secrets strategies and processes to increase brand equity and max out revenue episode 26 of your strategic partner podcast and ladies and gentlemen oh my goodness if I tell you like I tell you, I'm telling you right now, this superstar right in here is a powerhouse. She has an incredible presence on not only social media, but as a power speaker. Every time I hear her speak, I watch her lives or I hear anything that she does has an incredible amount of energy, empowerment. Uh, talk about multiple talents, singer, writer, uh, um, video maker, entrepreneur, co-pastor. She does it all and she is all. And ladies and gentlemen, I am super, super excited to introduce for the very first time a Nigerian originated, but she is a, a resident of the United States, just like yours truly, the one and only Ima Smart. I gave him the short version and I'm going to let him tell the full story. So Ima, first and foremost, thank you so, so much for giving me the opportunity to have you here in your strategic partner podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And thank you for the opportunity. It's always, it's really, really amazing, amazing to be here. It's been a long time coming, but I'm so glad that we are here. A long time coming indeed. <laughs> you and I have absolutely, I mean, what? It's been almost a month and a half, if not two months that we've been yes. going back and forth and miss <laughs> each other. But here's the thing. All good things usually have to require or require a certain amount of patience. And, you know, for those who may not know your story, I would love if you don't mind. Tell us about how this whole journey has started for you, how you ended up here where you are today. And more importantly, where should we expect the journey to continue? So tell us your story, if you don't mind. Oh, my goodness. It's uh, I'll try to make it as short as possible. So like you've already said in the introduction, I am originally from West Africa, Nigeria, but I was born here. My dad was in the military, um, you know, when he uh, when uh, he was in Nigeria, but then he had come here for some course that the military had sent him on. So that's where I um, I was born. But then we went back to Nigeria when I was about two years old. So I grew up there my um high school university and all of that was there but um i i experienced some uh tragedies in my life when i lost my father at the age of 21 and then four years after that i lost my mom and it was at that point i'm like you know what i'm done i just i need to change environments i need to i need to move away from all the depression that was happening in my life because of the back-to-back -back losses and that's how I um I decided I was gonna go to California, but um I I my dad I didn't even know that he had a cousin here in Dallas, and so my brother had called her and told her, hey, my sister is coming to the United States, and so she called me and, and I'm like, oh, I want to go to California. She said, what are you gonna do in California? Who do you know there? I'm like, I'm gonna go pursue my modeling and my acting. <laughs> 
she told me, you know what? I'm in Dallas. Just come to Dallas and see how it goes. And then if you don't like it, you can move to California. And that's how I found myself in Dallas, Texas. And she and her husband were pastors. And that's where I actually met my husband. <laughs> so I came to Dallas, Texas in 2009. And then in 2010, I got married. That's, I met my husband in 2009. And um, he also came to the United States in 2009, although he had been coming and going. Well, 2009, he came back to the United States, and then that's how we met and we got married. And then I went to nursing school. Uh, but the thing is, I've always, always had a passion for speaking, you know, for the arts, basically. But uh, Ali, I'm sure you know, the way it is in Africa, generally, you either have to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, or it is best to the family. <laughs> yeah, talk about those hardcore expectations. Yes. Yeah, my mom wanted me to become a doctor so bad because she, she wanted to become a doctor, but she ended up becoming an, a, a lawyer. And I didn't want to become a doctor, you know, so, but when I came here, you know, I became a nurse and then um, I still wanted to pursue what my core um, passion was, which was, you know, in speaking and in, in writing and, in, and, and, and movie production and stuff like that. So that's uh, the journey actually into where I am presently as a speaker, as a, a movie producer, actually began um, a few years, maybe about a couple of years ago when, um, a close family member had attempted suicide and um, I was already writing a book, but after that incident, everything just switched. And I found myself trying to answer the many questions, you know, or trying to um, undo the lies that most people believe about why they have to commit suicide. So I kind of switched gears and that's how I started writing the book, Stay. Um, for suicide prevention two years ago. And then last year I launched a book and I did the music video. And here I am right now working on the movie. And um, yep, that's, that's been the journey so far. And um, in the future, I look forward to really, really continuing in, in the movie scene, um, producing movies with purpose, series and movies with uh, specific purposes and also continue writing um i have a lot of books that i've written already but you know they're yeah. not yet out so looking to do um, um release more books and um continue on in my speaking which was kind of affected you know during the covid so yeah i'm, I'm really excited about that you know what's interesting even you know hearing you say that you're gonna have more series and things of that nature that you're planning on doing with the technology that we have nowadays, you know, Chromecast, Roku, it is more possible, you know, it's just, it's not that whether I can get on people's screens every single day now, it's more of, I just got to get content out there, right? Like, it's not a matter of whether can you or can you not, it's do you have the material and the content or, or do you not, but you gave us already so many uh, uh, pieces in here that I want to dig into, you know, when you hear military background or family from military, there's usually a certain amount of discipline that, you know, is a standard, right? And you kind of grew up with those core values. Talk to us about your upcoming in a military home and what are some of the uh, expectations of how you are supposed to be behaving and what were you the rebel that would fight those no that's not it's supposed to be that way or were you the obedient all right I'm gonna go along you know what I was the first daughter so I was the obedient example setter but yeah. my sister the one next to me she was the black sheep of the family Ooh. 
but yeah, the expectations, my dad was very strict and he was all about books, books and books, you know, and he, you know, we had a very, very sheltered, um, I had a very sheltered childhood. We had everything we need. Um, it was difficult to make friends growing up because my father just, you know, provided everything and he would always ask us what else, what do you want to go get out there? You know, um, even if we had to make friends, my dad was so strict that he would add when, when someone comes to our home, he would ask, you know, inter, he would literally interview my teenage friends, you know, how old are you? Who is your father? What does your father do? You know? And my dad would ask me what, what, what value is this person going to add to your life? And so it was very strict and it was very hard to make friends because people were scared of my dad yeah. <laughs> because, you know, he wasn't a, a top rank. He was a colonel in the military. So people were kind of scared of him and he just, he was, he really protected us, but he provided things for us. But, you know, on the contrary, he was, um, my mom was a lawyer and she was also very strict. She came out with a, a um, in our country, you know, they call it a first class degree, right. which is like, um, I think, you know, first in your class, you know, the, the top of the class, right. she came out top of the class, you know, in law, law school. So she expected book, book, book. You have to read, you have to become a doctor or an engineer. My brother became an, a petroleum engineer. You know, I became, you know, uh, I studied biochemistry. My, my other sister rebelled and did her own thing. So those were the expectations. But my father, on the other hand, he saw the other talents that I had and he would support it. And I would sing and record the songs for him to listen to. He would support it. I told him I wanted to actually become an actress. You know, he was surprisingly supportive. But as long as I went to school and got my first degree, then I could do yeah. whatever I wanted to do with my life. But, you know, so it was, um, yeah, we were, we were sheltered. And my, my dad was also a disciplinarian as well. So Being, we had a, a tough, but, but it was a good kind of tough. I, I can only imagine. Well, listen, I relate because I was, I was born in Morocco and, you know, and, and um, you know, which, which is a good transition, you know, being a global citizen is what I call it. Right. Like I had the privilege to live and exist in many places around the world. I believe I've been in just about 20 different countries Oh. in my adult lifetime and and i've seen uh, different cultures uh, and and from your vantage point you know whether it's nigeria or here in the united states or anywhere that you've made you may have been how has that impacted your your view in life as a creator um you know of of your content books movies things that you do do you think seeing the world from different sides has anything to do with your creative or it's really just a foundation of your upcoming that is still in 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 existence right now like how do you see it you know it's kind of both it's it's everything combined together because because um, it's actually helped me to become more balanced. I'm not, you know, vastly traveled as you. I've only been in two countries, the United States and, and Nigeria, where, you know, my country of origin. Hey, but Texas I think, is a country too. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I would say that. <laughs> you know, it's actually, a, um, uh, uh, Nigeria is just a little teeny, itty bitty bigger than, than Texas. Oh, I know. Just, yeah, so yeah. So um, it's actually been helpful because I've been able to, to look at the world the world from two different perspectives. Um, I wish it were more, but I've been able to look at the world from two different perspectives. And growing up in Nigeria, we've been we've always been open. Nigerians, if you've anyone has ever met anyone, we're, we're very open when it comes to how we see the world. We're open to learn, we're very hospitable, even in our thinking um, toward other people. So I think that 
Um, and, we, we, you know, being in other parts of the world, especially in the African um, continents, we've always been exposed to what the, the European countries is like, what their, their lifestyle is like, although we get a little shocked when we get here, but, you know, there's already an expectations. And, but one of the things that I think has helped me is the, the values, the core values that I grew up with in, in my country. We have a strong family values, strong cultural values. And those things has helped me a lot. And honestly, I'm, I'm always telling people I'm so glad that I grew up in, um, in Nigeria. And then I brought all those strong values that, you know, I grew up with and I brought it here. And, you know, things have just been balanced. So it's been both ways because also when you're in, in the United States, you have to learn to be a lot more open and be a lot more... Um, diplomatic and you know also be able to relate with different kinds of people on different levels so um it's been the best of both worlds so far yeah no <laughs> i hear you me. On that. Yeah. yeah so so you know losing a parent is nothing that anyone is ever prepared for um i you know i know people say i can only imagine how you feel i can't and it's it's a it's a i feel like it's a you, we shouldn't say I can only imagine how you feel because you, you can't like, I know losing a, a puppy for me last year was like, like, I mean, I, I cried for days, you know, wow. so I could only imagine, um, I can't imagine the idea of possibly losing the, 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 the that person that gave us life. That was the source that was the guidance, that was the memories, that everything whom we are is a residual of those individuals that gave us life, physical life at least, right? So so how has that, and if it's okay with you to kind of share with us, how has that impacted you? Because, you know, we talk about trauma, we talk about limiting beliefs, we talk about, you know, a change, a traumatic change in our lives. I could only think that that experience of losing parents has made a somewhat of a change in you. And it doesn't necessarily be a bad change, but talk to us about that transition from Ima, the daughter of the parents who are existing in her lives to Ima, who is now in this world on her own without who, those two angels that are physical beings uh, 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 and, and a guidance and a go-to in terms of the source of everything we are. You know, honestly speaking, it's been... It's been very um, tough and losing a parent is never something that anyone gets used to. Like you can lose a dog or a cat and after 10 years, you're like, oh, I lost my dog. But losing a parent like till date, I still cry when I think of my mom and what could have been. My husband lost his mother too. And on Mother's Day, he was still crying and he lost her like 15 years ago. And, you know, he was still crying thinking of his mom. So honestly, it's been really tough, but it, one of the, the ways that it's affected me um, on a positive light, of course, is you know coming from a sheltered home where you're so sheltered that you become so naive about everything else that happens out there in the world. You know, um, when I lost my dad, I lost my dad at a very critical point in my life. Um, when I was about to get into the university and you know I don't know how if that's the way it is in Morocco but in my country we don't we don't work until we graduate from the university if you work you're probably like maybe a very 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 poor and you just have to work to support yourself but when you're like the regular you know upper class middle class 
nobody works until they through with the university and they have what they call like the youth service where we spend the year serving the country. Um, so for me, I had no clue when my, and my dad was the sole provider and um, my mom didn't practice law at the time. So I was like, oh my God, how am I going to go to school? You know, what am I going to do? And there was just this total emptiness and like this covering was just, was just gone. So, um, but I had to learn how to be independent. I had to learn how to just toughen up. I made a lot of mistakes, uh, you know, because I've been so naive to the world. And I was excited to go out into the world, you know, after being sheltered for so long, but I've learned and I've grown along the way. And um, I still think about the instructions and the counsels and the things that my dad used to tell us, you know, about the world. And even losing my mom, you know, yeah, the same thing has, um, has happened and uh, but it's it's made me become a stronger person and i mean i can only allow it to affect me positively it's it's what i would say i it, it could have negative impact but i choose to allow the bad experiences that i've been through in terms of losing both parents to just affect me positively so yeah it's been pretty tough but yeah and, and and to your question earlier and and, and I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss I, you know it doesn't matter how long it has been i, I really am to, to answer your question so you know you said i don't know how it is in morocco but you don't start work until you pass university it's the same exact thing as a matter of fact oh. culturally speaking yes the parents will shelter you from even going out on your own and so you are ready to get married. I mean, yes. Is, nope. Stack up your money. You're gonna stay here. Nope. You're not buying your own car. I'm gonna give you my car. Nope. I'm I'm keeping your money that inside is, the account. Yes. So you know, because a lot of time people wonder, you know, overseas, you know, and, and, and it's mind-boggling. You know, in the United States, for me at least, I thought that would have been a natural concept of generational wealth is created inside the house. Well. You know, I come here and you see like, you know, 18 year old. All right. You're on your own. You got to move out. 16. Go make your own money. <laughs> like, what? What you mean? You know, I, th I thought I got to be here until I'm ready to get married. And I have a <laughs> fat bank account. But, you know, families in, in you know, where we come from, they, they, they do that uh, a lot. And that's true generational wealth in its own existence. But now, but uh, spot on. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. But when we do come back, we're going to dig into... How do you go from nursing to speaking to writing to music? Like what goes into that amazing head of Ema Smart? I guess the last name says it all, but we'll be right back and dig a little bit more into it. Hang with us. Hi, my name is Ali Midawi, and I have spoken over 500 conferences in three languages, including TEDx and many Fortune 100 companies, sold books in seven countries, and I focus on helping struggling entrepreneurs to leverage social media and a digital space to create brand equity and revenue. Visit me today at winwithali.com and let me show you how we can grow your financial bottom line and help you expand with momentum. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ali Midawi here, your strategic partner. And uh, we are hanging out with the great Ima Smart. So first and foremost, I know everybody asked this question Ima or Ima Obong, I hope I said it right. Did I say it right? The, well, the O is silent. Ah, uh, okay. So Ima Bong. 
All right, good, good. I got it. So, so is there a meaning to your first name? Because I know Ali means the greatest. A lot of people don't understand Muhammad Ali just didn't claim to be the greatest. Actually, his name meant the greatest. Oh, okay. Oh, you didn't know didn't that either. Know that. Okay, yeah. So, so he, you know, that's why that name was given to him. You know, by Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, and everyone. Like he was known to be the greatest in his generation, and the name was supposed to be uh, the definition of it, but. Does your name have a specific meaning? Absolutely. So Ima on itself means love, but an Obong means like a king or someone in a high place. So Ima Bong means the love of a king or the love of, you know, the highest. All right, royalty. Uh, yeah. I see you. I see you. Hey, hell <laughs> That's to the why queen. I'm always loved by, you know. <laughs> hell to the queen. No worry. All right. I'll, I will address you appropriately for the remainder of this episode. <laughs> so let's talk about nursing. Uh, was that something that you got into after you came to the United States or you started your nursing journey in Nigeria? No. So it's something that I started when I came into the United States. You know, like I said earlier, I had my goal was to go to California and pursue acting and modeling because I used to model um, in Nigeria. I did some modeling. I actually wanted, um, wanted to start going into acting proper when the whole tragedy with my mom happened and then I decided to move. So um, nursing, when I got here, you know, my auntie said, you know, just just pursue, you know, go to nursing school and um, and see what you can get out of it. So I went to nursing school and that's how I became a nurse. So it wasn't really something that I was like, you know, oh, I really want to become a nurse. You know, it's just what happened when I came here. And, you know, so far it's been, it's been great. It's been really great. Oh, from nursing, where did you transition next? Was it uh, to speaking? Was it to writing? Like, talk to us about that transition to go from that mindset well, of, hmm. I got a job to, I really want to start living my ambitions. Tell me more about that transition. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think, because I wouldn't say it's, it's just been part, I've mixed it all up in terms of I've just made it work for me. And even while I was in nursing school, I was still speaking. I had my um, women's, um, nonprofit women's foundation that I would have my conferences and I would still speak. Then I still have to go to nursing school, you know. So it's always, it's always been a part of me. But in the future, what I what I want to do is um, transition fully where I leave one thing behind, which is nursing, to leave it behind and then to move into um, a proper like the and, and do it completely without any any other thing in the background. But yeah, it's I, it's what I've always done. Um, it, you know, I always make a joke when I tell people, you know, I've been speaking um, to millions since I was nine because, you know, since I was like eight or nine, um, we had like a lot of grasses, a lot of bushes behind our house. And I would go there in front of the grasses, the millions of grasses, and I would begin to speak. <laughs> so I said, well, I've been speaking since I was nine to millions of, you know, whatever, grasses. So um, I, it's always been what I've always wanted to do. But, you know, coming here, I decided to, you know, um, what, one thing that really provoked me or pushed me into kind of stepping out and doing it proper is the fact that I tell people life is one. It's just, my husband always says that this life we're living is not a rehearsal. This is the one chance we have to live life on this earth. And, um, I just want to ensure that I'm doing everything that God has put in me that I'm passionate about, that I can stay up late at night about yeah. And that's why I have 
transition. It hasn't really been hard. It has, honestly speaking, people wonder how I do it all together. But I believe when you've been called, you've been given the grace. So it really hasn't, I wouldn't say it's been hard. It's just been an easy flow for me, to be uh, honest. I'd agree with and you I've been that. able to do it all. Um, it's been great. <laughs> yeah, no, I, lo I love, listen, I love your attitude towards how you're seeing things. You know, a lot of times I, I get a lot of people like, you know, you do too much. And, you know, my, my immediate is like, you don't do enough, but all right, let's just go I, back and forth. <laughs> right, we, we can agree to disagree, right? Like we all have been given this, this incredible life with a lot of talent, you know, here, here's, you know, and, and I think my friends in the, the CBD space are going to love me right now, right? Like a lot of people who are passionate about cannabinoids, right? Whether it's hemp, whether it's CHE, doesn't matter. But you know, in our body, there are these cannabinoids, like natural cannabinoids that are that are inside our body. And unless you give it the CBD, right, the pure CBD inside your body, you activate them naturally. This is why a lot of people now, and it's becoming mainstream, but this is why CBD has become a revolution, you know, like 20 or $30 billion industry right now, because it come to light that it's not about getting high anymore. It's about extracting that cannabinoid that will activate the very specific parts of my body, right? Well, guess what? Your talent is the same exact way. You already have it and possess it within you. You just need the right opportunities and the right input to activate that greatness. And when you go into speaking, when you go into writing, when you go into all the things that you're doing, guess what you've done? You, you literally are inputting the right pieces into your body, mind, and spirit to create the best that you can actually become for yourself. So it's, it's, a, it's spot on and I, you know, I appreciate that. So uh, let's transition now. I know you kind of, when you opened up at the, the beginning of the interview, you talked about how the you know attempted suicide of your friend has had a, an incredible impact on you the loss of your parents kind of gave you a little bit more of a visual of how to look at life and purpose so let's talk about how did your mindset shift from just speaking and being an entrepreneur to truly being an advocate for anti-suicide uh, and, and helping people who may have suicidal thoughts as well so walk us through that that transition as well Absolutely. I mean, it started a couple of years ago when a very close uh, family member um, had overdosed on sleeping pill. And at that point in time, I was, um, I had actually written a book and done everything, the editing, and it was just about to be published. And then I got this phone call and I was like, how did this happen? This is someone I talk to every day, someone I, you know, I interact with on a daily basis. And I didn't really know that this was happening. And after that whole event, thank God that she was rushed to the hospital and she was flushed and every, all the sleeping pills, everything, you know, had come out of her. So I'm so grateful to God for that. But after that incident, it's when I began to talk and I began to ask, you know, what's the reason? Because to be honest, where we're from, sometimes um, um, it's, it's hard to think about why anyone would want to kill themselves. Um, and I got to ask, and I realized, you know, answers like I'm frustrated, answers like I'm tired, I've tried everything, you know, nobody loves me, I don't know what to do, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a nuisance to the society, I'm, I'm, a, I'm nobody, um, I don't want to burden anybody, that was one of the main ones, I don't want to burden anybody, and I was able to answer these questions and I was able to give reasons. Look, this is not what it is, you know, and for every reason that she would give, I was able to answer and tell her, well, 
you know, uh, let me put it this way. Do I put it in my book? For every lie that she had believed, I had to tell her the truth to undo that lie. And then it just dawned on me. So I was, I was still working just to let you know, I was, I was still at my place of work. I was working as a nurse. And then I had one of the therapists just come out of nowhere until she tells me about a a young um, boy who had committed suicide um, as well. And she's trying to connect me to the mother. I I didn't even know, like, I, I believe it was just a divine coincidence. And suddenly everywhere I go to someone is committing suicide, you know, and then it, it was just as if God was trying to tell, God was trying to redirect me. And then I just sat down and at my place of work and I just started writing, you know, every reason I had heard why someone was, was, um, was going to commit suicide based on a suicide note, whatever it is. I, I just wrote down the top nine and I just began to answer the questions. And that was how this whole passion came about because you know how, when you, you really, really want a, a nice car, so you want to covet, and then you don't see it anywhere. You only see it once in a while, and then the moment you buy the covet, you suddenly see it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what happened. You know, after that incident, it's like everywhere I turned, somebody was attempting suicide. Somebody was reaching out to me. They wanted to talk to me. I don't know how it happened, and that's that's where this whole passion came about. And I have not been. It's not. It's not. A, it's not been a phase because it's been a couple of years. So it's not been a phase that oh, I'm gonna get over the phase. It's now. It's now part of what I do. I'm part of who I am and everything I do. I'm trying to give people. And I discover one of the reasons people call me Doctor Purpose. And one of the reasons why the key reason why I believe people commit suicide is for the lack of purpose. And that has been when I'm talking about purpose. I'm trying to tell people you have a reason to be alive. And that has been the driving force. That's ha- that has been the inspiration just to, just to help people see that they have value to life and that they have a purpose. Because they haven't discovered what the purpose is doesn't mean that they don't have a purpose to life. You know, so that, that's, that's how the whole journey with this suicide um, advocacy came about. Started with that family member and then the doors just opened. I can totally relate. Uh, obviously, you know that I, I myself attempted suicide at the age of 19. And uh, you, you, to, to validate everything that you you just shared, um, it, it was the no one cares. Um, who cares if I'm here or I'm not? It's not even going to make a difference to anyone. Uh, I've tried everything. It doesn't matter how hard, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make a turnaround. I just want it to be over. This pain is 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 bit overbearing. The shame, the agony. You feel like a disappointment. I mean, there's just a lot of negative feelings. Um, and and for me, it was the enough is enough button, right? Like, mm. all right, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, it, in in a funny way, you start to tell yourself um, because it's it's a, I'm telling you, it's an experience that that it, it's hard to explain, but at the same time, I remember vividly even today, um, the idea of there is a spiritual world. Like it's like you're so faithful that there's a spiritual world where I'm gonna be better, and this body needs mm. to expire, and I need to exit this body in order to remove all this pain. It's like you have a a car that is that you see the engine light on. The, the 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 smoke is coming out the tires are all flat and you're like i just want to get out of this car and get into another one and if if it means that i have to push this car over the bridge and let it burn and crash that's literally the edge that you get to 
on those suicidal thoughts. And mm. to your point, yes, there were all lies that I was telling myself because I was in a very, very bad environment with a lot of very bad thoughts that for a very long time that, that you know, no one just goes from very happy to very sad to very suicidal. It, it's a, a residual result of a very, very long time worth of very painful things that happen on a repeated, um, you know, fashion. We see a lot of artists, you know, musicians, Hollywood celebrities, actors, very filthy rich. And you hear they've committed suicide and you wonder like, what? You know, like, like, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Um, from Mrs. Doubtfire, Robbins. The comedian. Yeah. 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 So, so he went from the funniest guy, most loved making guy. Making everybody laugh. Making everybody laugh, committed suicide. Like, but he was going through depression for a very long time, but he knew my job is to look and make everyone feel happy that he did not even treat his own sadness, his own misery, that it got to a point that he was dealing with a little bit of health care. And he said, you know, I don't want people to, to not see me as the happy guy. He felt like he was going to disappoint the world. So might as well mm. ended and they remembered a happy guy forever. Like that's how incredibly weird those suicidal thoughts are. Um, and, and, and for anybody listening, don't ignore anyone who gives you a slight ounce of, I'm sad. I'm miserable. I'm not happy. You know, I, I remember selling everybody around me all the time. Like, you're all right. Like, no, I'm not. And they're like, dude, go, go lay down for a little bit. Or you want something to eat? Like, it was always dismissed out of love. Like go get something to eat. Or you know, why don't you go to the mall with your friends? And I'm like, no, I don't want to see anybody. I hate everybody. And you know, the person just doesn't know or doesn't realize like those are telltales that that person yeah. is on their way out and you dismissing it by have a sandwich. It's like, I don't care about how miserable you are. You should just eat. And you're just like, have a sandwich and move on. <laughs> what? You know, like it's deeper than that. So, so uh, I, I appreciate uh, you digging deep into that. We're going to take one more break, but when we do come back, I want to dig into this movie and uh, it's inception where it is and what we should expect and how we as listeners can help you out as well to make it come into fruition. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Are you a hopeful or struggling entrepreneur? We'd like to introduce you to YEP, an entrepreneurial community that has expanded over six continents and helped over 5,000 individuals. The Young Entrepreneur Project would allow you to start, scale, or grow your business at the level you desire by providing you with a library of unlimited trainers and modules, a marketplace where you can lower all of your expenses, increase your capital, and even the opportunity to become a contributor, a speaker, and a trainer, or even get paid to mentor others within the platform. Learn more today at winwithali.com. Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Emma Bone, the one and only, um, the rock star, soon-to-be movie producer. So let's talk about this movie. So it, it, it was initiated as a book uh, called Stay, um, Your Life is Precious. And then it transitioned onto a song where you literally took a book and put it into a song. And now it's transitioning into a movie. Now, these are three different forms but the same exact message. I feel like we're about to get spiritual on people in here. Talk about the Father, <laughs> the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? It is one <laughs> message, one uh, uh, source. It's just three different forms, right? So let's yeah. talk about stay. Talk to us about the book first. How 
what was the creative process? Uh, and, and then we can talk about the song and the movie that after. Absolutely. Honestly, it was, it was, very, it was, um, writing the book was emotional to say, because every time I'm writing the book, I'm thinking about the person that I, that had committed suicide. I'm thinking about, oh my God, every 40 seconds, someone is going to commit suicide. By the time I'm done typing this line, someone has committed suicide. It was an emotional, emotional process for me, but I did enjoy being able to, you know, give answers to people. Um, it took, it, it took quite a while um, to to write the book in a way that any person can read the book and get it and just get it um, to the point that I, while I'm writing, because I know we have young people, it's so sad, but that's true, from the age of nine are committing suicide. So I'm thinking, how can a, can a nine-year-old read this book? And can a 99-year-old person read this book? So while I was writing this book, I'm thinking about a nine-year-old, I'm thinking about a 99-year-old, and I'm trying to put it in a language and in a way that both of these people can read it and they can get it. So um, that was, I think for me, that was like the hardest part to be able to put it in a way that such vast age group, um, yeah. are different in terms of the age range, can read it and can understand. And I'm, I'm so grateful by the help of God that I was able to do that. Um, I had my nine-year-old daughter read the book and she got it. <laughs> nice. Nice. How, so, how long it took you to write it? Uh, I would say maybe a couple of months just to write it. Um, about two months. And then, of course, you know, the editing process, right. going back and forth and stuff like that. But about a couple of months is what it took for me to to, to write the book. That, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so how does it go from a full blown book to a song? All right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta tell me like, how, how do you transition from a full book chapter after chapter to lyric and still maintain the same beginning, middle and end? Well, I, I was thinking about people. That's just a simple truth. So it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't um, part of the initial plan. Right. Uh, but while I, after I wrote the book, I'm like, what about people who don't like to read? You know, people like to listen to music. As a matter of fact, so many, the culture has, our culture has changed by music. Yeah. If you want people to do anything. Historically speaking, yeah. In music and yeah. they'll do it. You know, I can say a bad word that on a good day, the next person would not say. But yeah. if I add some music to it and some sound, they're going to be dancing to it, you know? That's crazy So and I'm true. like, how can I reach people who may not like to read? And then I, I took this, the book, and I kind of compressed the message, but I kept, I kept the title. The song is also titled, Stay, Your Life is Precious. I kept the title, and I just compressed the message, and I just, you know, put it in a song, and, you know, had one of my mentees, because, you know, I, I sing, but I'm not that, you know, I'm not a... <laughs> A CC Winers or a Whitney Houston kind of singer. So I, I, I utilize the talent of someone else to sing the song and bring it to life. So um, that's what I was trying to do. If I can get these people, if you can get it by reading, you can definitely, um, you can definitely get it by music. And also, you know, one of the things I wrote in the book was the research I had done about a lot of young people who had, not just young people, generally people who have committed suicide because they listen to a kind of a certain kind of music and um if people can listen to a certain kind of music and be inspired to kill themselves um then people can listen to a certain kind of song and be inspired to stay alive so that was my thought process how can i take this book from a book 
put it into a song so people can listen to it while they're driving, while they're in bed, you know, and still get the whole message, even without reading the book. So that was my thought process. And I was just thinking about people, you know, while yeah. I was doing everything I was doing. No, that's that's uh, and 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 uh, we'll we'll let the listeners be the judge of how good uh, the vocals are because I listened to it and I definitely enjoyed it. And for those of you listening, don't worry, not right now, but when you are done with this interview, and for those of you who are driving, please put the phone down, put it down right now. <laughs> uh, in the actual description itself, we'll put every single link of everything that Ima has done, so that way you too can go ahead and whether you want to listen to the song, whether you want to get the book for yourself uh, or you want to support the movement as well. So all of that will be in the actual description itself. All right. So now, now we're about to talk about an overachiever. You're like, no, hold on. You know, not only I turned it into a song, but now you are literally creating a movie. So this, we're not talking about a one woman show because right in, you got the full creative, you can do it on your own time. But now you're talking about cast, you're talking about videographers, you're talking about editors, you're talking about a whole staff and raising money for it. And, you know, like, so, so how are you creating stay? Your life is precious. Like, first of all, how did you even decide, you know what? Yeah, I just had breakfast. I'm a creator movie. Talk to us about that moment and then talk to us about the creative and where you are with it now. Oh, Ali, you know, there's a, a saying um, by a, I think I, I, I forgot his name. He was, he's a, a philosopher, but, you know, quite in the olden, um, some centuries. He said, I don't care what the laws of the land are. Let me write the poetry. Meaning, no matter what the laws of the land is, what really controls the people is the art, what right. they hear. Right, right. That's what controls the people. Um, you, if you saw, I don't know, if you, if you saw the movie, you know what? You are a perfect example of how the art and how a movie has impacted your life. Every single day on Facebook, I see your letter to your wife. And that was, <laughs> that was inspired by what? Fireproof? That, so, yeah, it actually was inspired by Fireproof. And, uh, and you've done it for what? Was it seven, seven years? Since, you said? since June of 2014. Uh, so uh, that will be seven, just about seven years. Yeah. Seven years. So you, you were inspired based on what you saw. You yeah. probably may have gone to church and the pastor has said, oh, say, do nice things for your wife. And, yeah. But then what inspired you was a movie. And I know that the society is formed by its art. Forget about what the law says. If you want something done, find a great artist to sing about it. Find a great artist to write a script and produce it. People are going to follow suit. The movie, um, which was um, the the recent one, okay, the one before that, like War Room. After War Room, everybody had a prayer, suddenly had a prayer closet. Yeah. You know, even people who are not Christians, they ended up trying out what the let's try this prayer closet thing that we saw in this movie and see. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, this, the latest one, the the Gambit, the one with the the chess game. After, I haven't watched it yet, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah. On you Netflix. know, after the movie, they said that the the sales of chess went up because of a movie yeah so that's that that's the the power of of um of that and and i also understand most people don't really have a passion to read as you know people like to read but most people are so busy now it's so hard for them to pick up a book and be done reading a book so that's been the 
the driving force. I'm like, so I, I need to put this in a movie and make it in a way that people have an action step afterwards that they can hold on to and say, I'm doing this because I saw it in this movie and it worked in the movie and I want it to work in my life. So um, it's it's been, this has actually been the hardest part of this whole process from the book to the song to the movie. This has been the hardest process because it requires beyond myself. You know, I wrote the song, I went to the studio, I, you know, but then when it comes to the movie, it's super broad and I need different kinds of people and to protect the actors, you know, the, the directors and all of those people. So this has been the hardest part of this process, but I'm so glad that um, I started it and that the ball is rolling. So we're just ready to, um, the production is actually in, uh, gonna start in July. So we're excited to get started. Yep. I, I, I love it. Um, how has everybody believed in the mission since day one? I mean, you're reaching out to people. I mean, are you reaching out to people who are trained actors or did you start with, listen, I don't know where to begin, where to start. I need help. Uh, talk to me about that reaction of everybody that because you know sometimes the visionary is a is a lone wolf and everybody around just don't see it no matter how much you flashlight in their face you're like it's right here look at it <laughs> they just don't see it so was was everybody receptive to working with you on creating the movie or did you get any pushback talk to us about that well honestly i've i've gotten some support when it comes to the creation um the the number one support which i think is most important support is my husband has been a firm supporter he wants to see the script how about you add this how about you take this out you know so that's one of the biggest thing for me that support that i have that support system now ali you won't believe it but 95 95 has been 98% of the cast and the crew have all experienced or have, they've all been touched by suicide. Some of them have attempted suicide. Some of them have family members. So most of That's them who are on- That's of a number. I, I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. During the audition, one of the guys, he was the first to show, he said, you know, I came here because I'm, I know what the movie is about based on what you posted and I attempted suicide and I had mm. a friend who attempted. And almost everybody on the cast, like it still amazes me that every most those most of those people they have attempted suicide or have family members who have died by suicide or have attempted suicide. So for them, for most of the people on my crew, they're like, I just want to be part of this project. They believe it, they see it, and I just believe that it's just a divine arrangement to bring the right people who can who understand exactly what that feeling is like, you know, and then because they have that understanding, they can, they can express the pain beyond just being an actor. And I have to think about how this person feels, but the fact that they can remember how it felt, you know, and they can still exude that pain. I think that's one of the blessings that I've had to be able to have such cast and crew, you know? Yeah. Me. I know that, you know, the, the, the wished uh, result from this project is obviously the impact that it's, it can create. What are you hoping for in terms of a reaction for the individuals who are watching this the uh, movie when it comes out? You know, my husband, um, when he was, uh, he was, he had someone in his car and he was playing the song in the car. And this lady started crying. It's like, please turn off this music, please turn off this music. And it was like, why? And the lady said, if my daughter, my, uh, sorry, if my sister 
had listened to the song, she would not have committed suicide. A friend of mine during my book launch, he sent me a text message and I still have that text with me. He said, I wish I launched a book in March of last year, one week before the shutdown. And he said to me, Ima, this book came out one month late. If my friend had read this book, he committed suicide in February, he would not have committed suicide. Uh, and I know that's that supposed was, to be a, a, a compliment, but I can only imagine the weight on that on your on your chest. It, I felt bad because I'm like, I came a month, a month late, you know, wow. someone. And for me, just hearing that and the fact that I've gotten so many feedback from my readers, the young boy who was going to attempt suicide. But after the book, he, he told me, thank you so much. And he sent me a message on my birthday thanking me for saving his life. Now, when people watch this movie, I want somebody who was just about to make that decision the next day. Someone said, hey, let, let's go see this movie. I want him to, after watching that movie, say, wow. I am so glad I saw that movie. Now I don't have no, I, I can't even think about killing myself. I want people to watch that movie and have nine reasons to stay alive. I want people to watch that movie and be like, can the whole world see, can, can this movie be in other languages? Can we send these movies to other countries besides America? That's what I want the reaction to be, that somebody would watch the movie and be like, wow, I don't want to kill myself anymore. That's the only goal. If, if, if that happens, even if I don't make any money from the movie, if, if somebody can say I stayed alive after I watched this movie, that's it for me. That, because that is the key. That's the purpose of this movie. That's what I want. That's incredible. When should we expect the movie to be done and out? Well, production begins in, um, in July. So we should be done shooting uh, in July as well, because of course we're working um, with a different budget and different people. So the goal it's uh, we're shooting we're, sh we're shooting the movie in July. So um, the movie, you know, after production there's a post production and that's like the longest part, oh, editing, yeah. the adding the music and all of that good stuff. Um, but I'm I want the movie to be out next year um, during Suicide Awareness Month. That's which goal. month is that for anybody? That's, that's September. Listening. September. That's awesome. So September is suicide awareness month. Yes. Awesome. 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 So if, if, if I may, um, how can we all help? I know we're going to put some links for people to be able to help financially, to be able to support, to share the message, at least at the very least share the message. But if you're li th th that one listener that's listening and you got their attention right now, if you can say, Hey, here's what I need you to do what would that be? What I want you to do is to go to my website, the website for the film, thestayfilm.com. And I want you to support the production of this movie because it's not easy to, to self-finance a movie. It's not easy at all. So what I want you to do is to think about this message and to think that your contribution, your donation can be the reason why somebody else stays alive. The goal for this movie, it's a very low budget. You know, when you say my, uh, when you say, when you hear a low budget movie in Hollywood, it's about $9 million is a low budget movie. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> no low budget. That's, that's high yeah, budget that's for million. us. <laughs> oh, it's a low budget movie. We just have $9 million, you know, but this is a low, um, low, low budget movie, self-financed movie. The goal is $100,000. And your donation can be the reason why one person stays alive. And just go ahead, go to the website and just be 
a blessing to somebody else. Help us get this movie out so that that one person, you don't know who it could be. It could be your sister. It could be your brother. That person that you're looking at every day and you have no idea what's going through their mind because of you. They could be the reason why that could be the reason why they do not come in society. So please go and support the movie by giving your donation, your contribution, be a part of the process. I, I love it and I appreciate it. I know that being a, a wife of a pastor, I know that being a mom, I know that being an author, I know that being an entrepreneur, I know that being a provider as well, uh, and, and a guidance to so many people, you wear so many hats. Um, I'm gonna get a little personal now. You know, I know you have kids and they're, they're, they're not grown yet, right? Uh, by, by definition, they're not adults. 10, 20 years, 30 years from now, they see mom's work. What do you want them to think? What do you want them to understand of this time that you're doing so much that they might not even understand? Why is mommy doing so much? Why is she doing so many interviews? Why is she working? What, are you, what, what would you hope that they look back and see when they see the work that you're doing? You know, I want them to look back and say, I would love to continue whatever it is that mommy started. I want them to say, I see why she did it. Right now, I'm so blessed that I have such, um, God has blessed me with an amazing family. That even while I'm doing so much, the kids don't really feel the impact of the fact that I'm doing so much because my husband knows how to hold everything in, how to hold everyone together. And as a matter of fact, I carry them all in the process. So they feel, they don't feel like they're somewhere while mommy is doing all this stuff, but they feel like they're part of the process. They're, they, they're, they're carried along. They're part of everything that I'm doing. But when they look at in the future, I just want them to say, I'm thankful to God that I had such a mother who impacted lives. And I definitely want to do what she did. That's the goal. Their own may not be the suicide, but whatever it is, I want them to always think about the fact that they are living to make impact, not just to live for themselves, but to live for other people too. And when I mean living for other people, living to impact lives with what God has put in you to be a blessing to other people. Well, we are extremely grateful for you that you've um, taken it upon yourself to share the message, to share the mission. Um, and um, we're, we're going to do whatever we can on our end to share it to the whole entire world and blast it on our email list and just make sure that worst case scenario, the world is going to do their part to making sure that someone that they love, that they may have a sign or a telltale, or as I call it, the check engine light is on and they need to hear this. So um, I appreciate and I thank you for being here with us, for giving us the opportunity. I'm so glad that we finally got to make it happen. Yes. Um, for those of you who are listening, just check out the description as we have every way that you can connect with Ima. And you may have somebody in your life right now that is impacted or is living less than that happy mindset life that they need to have, um, you can connect them. You can let them hear this message. You can connect them to Ima's social media assets so they can see how positive and how impactful she is as well uh, uh, within her faith, within her family, within her business. And you too can create the life 
that you desire and deserve. And God willing, never, ever have to deal with anything or close to the suicidal thoughts. For anybody else who's listening, if you're a struggling entrepreneur and you need to leverage the social media and the digital space to create brand equity and revenue, you know where to see me, winwithali.com. We just dropped some brand new uh, breaking news directly from Yahoo Finance that we got featured on. You definitely want to check it out. So go to winwithali.com, check us out, leave us some love and let us know how we can help you in your business. Until then, hey, Ima, tell them peace out, everybody. All right, guys, it's so good. It was so good to be here, and um, I hope you guys enjoyed this amazing session with Ali. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I hope to do this again. <laughs> yes, ma'am. We'll do it more and more and more and more. We'll be we'll be back uh, in September to announce the official launch of the movie, and be we'll be yes. it'll be a whole campaign. So thank you, and I'll, I'll I'll talk to you soon. Have a blessed day, everybody. Mm-hmm.